Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for this time to gather together in your presence. We pray that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I officially hate the sound equipment. <laughs> we bought a new piece of equipment that was supposed to fix the problem, and it only fixes the problem when it's not Sunday morning, so I don't know what's going on. In the Gospel today, we hear this encounter that James and John have with Jesus. And I think it's quite funny how they set up their, their question as they go to him and say, well, we want you to do whatever we ask. And even before the question, they're, they're preparing to say, well, Jesus, we're about to ask you something and just tell us that you'll say yes before we ask the question and then we'll, then we'll ask you. Um, well, no parent would fall for that trip. And Jesus doesn't fall for it either. As he says to them, though, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they say, well, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. And we'd probably think, oh, well, that's all they're looking for, you know, a simple little thing, a little thing like that. In other words, they're asking for, uh, let me have recognition and power and prestige and greatness. Many of the same things we toil away day by day looking for in our own life is what they're asking for. But Jesus rightly says to them, well, you know, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptism with the baptism I am baptized with? And now we hear that knowing the rest of the story. They hear that not knowing the rest of the story, and they say, oh, absolutely, sure. Yes, we can. Sign me up. But they're really not certain in what Jesus is even talking about. And he says to them, well, you will drink the cup, and you will be baptized with the same baptism. But to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom it is prepared. And as we know the rest of the story, they're looking at the work that Jesus is doing, and they say, all right, Jesus is bringing in this new kingdom. And we want to be part of that, and clearly they want to have a, a great role in that and be prestigious in that. But they're forgetting about what Jesus is telling them about the way that he is going to enter into glory. And we know the rest of the story, so we know that there is two. One whom sits at his right and one whom sits at his left. But we find them on Good Friday crucified on his right and his left. That the cross is the means by which Jesus enters into glory where he is demonstrating his love, what kind of king he is. 
But I guarantee that the cross is not the type of throne that James and John are looking for when they're looking to be great, when they're looking for power and prestige. And in the midst of this conversation, the, ten, the other ten hear about this and they become indignant. And of course, we know what probably drives their indignation is they think, well, what about me? Maybe I should be on his right and left and not, not you two over there. But if they really understood what Jesus was talking about, as he says, well, that means you're going to come to the, the cross with me. Then I'm sure James and John would say, all right, well, let's have one of the other ten over here take it. The fight would be over. But they don't understand, and so now even the others are fighting amongst themselves. Well, I want to be the greatest. And Jesus tries to teach them, as this section of the Gospel ends, what greatness in the kingdom of God actually looks like. Because he says, well, you know, the rulers of this world, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. That the way that we naturally think about greatness is they were looking for a greatness that comes at the expense of others. A greatness over others. Where they would be higher and there would be the people that would be subservient below them. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand that is not the way the kingdom of God works. That from their perspective, greatness means, well, I have something that somebody else doesn't. And then once you have it and you think you're great, you have to go out of your way to make sure the other person never gets it. Because once they get it, well, you're not great, so, so great anymore. You're just equal. And so this greatness of the world that they're looking for presupposes that there are people on the top and people underneath, and in order to maintain the system, they've got to stay there. And so they're in competition then over people. They're great at the expense of, of someone else. You know, that's the way we look at it. Well, the one who rises to the top of the pyramid and dies with the most toys, they win in life. And, they, and the more people they squash on the bottom, the more successful aspects of society would say that they are. But Jesus says, in the kingdom of God, greatness is not gained at the expense of others. Greatness is gained for others. That it's in pouring out yourself for someone else that that's how you become great. And he gives this image, well, if you want to receive greatness in the kingdom of God, it's not getting yourself above everyone else and keeping people under you, but it's in being the servant of all, to be the slave of all, that that's how greatness is achieved in the kingdom of God. Completely opposite of the scheme that says, get yourself at the top and don't let anybody get near you. The kingdom of God says, pour out your life for each other. And in doing so, you will be great. And even in hearing that, whether we like to admit it or not, there's probably a place in, inside of each of us that says, well, that doesn't sound fair. What about me? What if I spend my life pouring out for someone else and nobody reciprocates? Well, I think, number one, first of all, God notices. 
and that's what he calls us to do. But notice, Jesus asks the entire church to live this way, to put others before ourselves. So if we do the math, I don't need to worry about, well, what's going to happen to me if I put others first, because everyone else is putting everyone else first. And so if we're looking to the other first, by the time you do the math in the end, we're all taken care of. We are all served. We all have what we need. That's the, the radical nature of the kingdom of God that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. And in fact, he does so by demonstrating it for us in that he pours out his life for us. That he gives of himself. That the demonstration that he is the king is through the cross and resurrection. And he invites us then to do the same. Because Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many, and that includes us. That we've been set free. And that the entrance into God's kingdom, into his love and mercy and grace and glory, comes through the cross, by which we lay down ourselves at the feet of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to change and transform each of us that we might be shaped more into the image of Christ. That then we go out into the world pouring out our lives one for another. That we too would be servants as Jesus served. That we would be slaves as Jesus was the slave of all. That we would pour out our life as Jesus did. Not worrying about rising to the top on our own initiative but in pouring out our life in the image of Christ, in God's kingdom, that is how we rise to the top, by making ourselves the lowest, by living in that place of love and humility and self-sacrifice. And we need not worry about ourselves because if we follow God's system, we're all accounted for. Each of us outpours one for another. So we give thanks to God that Jesus has given his life as a ransom for us, that we've been set free. And then day by day, we pray that the Holy Spirit would one day at a time make that transformation in our hearts, that we might not be looking for greatness at the expense of others, but that we might understand that true greatness in Christ is for others. And may the Holy Spirit empower us to live in that life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. We pray that day by day the Spirit will lead us and guide us. Change us into your image and likeness. That our lives would be lived for the benefit of others. And to your honor and glory. And Jesus, we ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen.